1: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, we're bringing in uh, a guest today that I'm assuming most of you guys didn't expect to see over here on Conversations with Jeff, uh, but uh, most of you guys probably saw the article that I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago about uh, Tim Hurd and Jeff Durbin and Apologia and that whole thing where they, uh, they released a secretly recorded phone call. And posted it on YouTube to try to essentially intimidate and silence Tim uh, and a whole and a whole bunch else. But uh, I wanted to have Tim on to discuss this whole fiasco because I think it's really important for all of us to understand some of these tactics that uh, some of these guys can use, uh, and we ne- we need to be able to see through this, see this kind of abusive behavior, this mentality. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll kind of break all this down, uh, together with Tim, but yeah, Tim, thanks so much for coming on and welcome to conversations with Jeff.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on. Actually, I, I'm the one who came to you yeah. in this situation. I appreciate you opening up your, uh, platform for me to tell my story, uh, to, to tell you what's going on. Um, because I, I know, um, it's something that is, a uh, A concern to you and to your audience often is um, abuses of leadership. And I actually haven't, you know, in my church life, you know, I I don't experience it, haven't experienced it. I've always had shepherds who shepherd, uh, who lead their flocks rather than uh, beat them (laughs) or uh, mistreat them. Um, But... Yeah, I wanted to talk about – see, there's things that I uh, wanted to expound on on a platform where people are um, concerned about these types of uh, activities by by elders. But in doing so, if you don't mind, I'd like to go over the timeline of my engagements with Jeff Durbin. Is that all right?
1: Yeah, of course, and I, and I think that that's important just that way – again, people are understanding – What's going on? Why it's happening? And just kind of understand the context and all that.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. I'll, I'll uh, start out with uh, when I started Bible Thumping Weenet Podcast in 2014, uh, Jeff Durbin was one of um, one of my first guests. I think he was on episode four and five, way back in 2014. We had a good relationship. Really appreciated uh, Jeff and his willingness to come on and his apologetic uh ministry at that time I did I was really was learning the presuppositional apologetic method and learning about theonomy learning about uh postmillennialism and other things and um in 2015 through 2016 uh I came to uh, disagree with Jeff on theonomy on postmillennialism and uh then there was the theonomy debate with um Jordan Hall and Joel McDermott, and things got really heated in that time period. 2015, 2016, um, a lot of heated conversations, and uh, one of the things, one of the stance that I took was that um, preaching uh, the gospel interwoven with your post-millennialism, I took a firm stance that that was a false gospel. All right. And that was a narrative that I was put, pushing forward, and it didn't help the conversation. And uh, I have since learned its know, I know there's people who watch this who disagree with me, uh, because they they will st- firmly agree that the preaching of post-millennialism along with your gospel, the, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, the way Durbin does it today—I'm sure there's people— there's people on my platform that still disagree with me. They're like, no, Tim, it is a false gospel. But I, I don't think that's helpful. I do know and understand that they understand how a person becomes right with God. Uh, so saying it's a false gospel, it doesn't help. I now say that they have an over-realized eschatology. They don't like that either. But as we're saying they have an over-realized eschatology, they'll say uh, that I have a Unrealized or incomplete or uh, neutered gospel, which uh, isn't helpful either. But anyway, well, so we well what, what, I was, what I was going
1: to say really quick with that is it's it's entertaining the labeling that go that goes back and forth, and, and, and in all reality, it happens in almost every debate where you know where there's you know like each side will kind of like summarize the other side in a way in a way that makes that uh, re- kind of refutes their argument without actually dealing with it, and whereas I think that. Um, you know, cause I've heard, I've heard some of your stuff, you know, talking about this, of dealing with apologia on this theological issue. And I think it, it's better to, you know, just like what you've done is actually break down the arguments. And, uh, and I, w- and I wish that like apologia would do that with you. And I wish more people would do that with them. And, you know, so that I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause I think that that's an important aspect of debating a lot of these theological issues.
0: Right. Yeah. Good. Yep. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, so that was the whole theonomy thing. And during that time, I was trying to uh, argue against Durbin and others. And um, I, I, di- I, I presented the, uh, their arguments, and sometimes I presented their arguments in as poor of a way as I could to try to defeat them. And uh, I would make much of, of little, and uh, it wasn't good. I was, uh, I was not presenting their arguments uh, the way I should, and I wasn't handling the conflict the way I should. So that conflict happened in 2016. And then it died down and uh, we didn't engage much. And then May of 2017, I, I felt um, really bad for what I had done. I felt convicted. So I uh, reached out to Jeff Durbin. Um, like during all that uh, in 2016 of all that um, debate and all the back and forth, uh, they were calling me out for sin. And I was stubborn. I didn't recognize my sin. So a lot of the charges that they said against me uh, weren't true, but some of them were. So in May of 2016, I, the, the, the Holy Spirit pressed upon me. Uh, I needed to repent. I needed to reconcile And that's what I did. May of 2016, 2017, I called Durbin. And uh, actually, he put me on speakerphone, and I was talking to Durbin, Marcus Pittman, and the other elder at the time, Luke Pearson. And uh, I just poured my heart out. I owned it. Dude, I owned it. When When the Holy Spirit breaks me, I own it. There's no excuses, right? That's the way it should be. So this is a good thing when people humble themselves, and realize they're wrong. It's something to be celebrated, right? It's it's good, it's healthy, it's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I did that, May of 2017, uh, they said that they uh, forgave me, and uh, we moved on. And one of the things that came about as a result of that conversation was I had I had a, an avenue of texting Jeff if I had any questions in in the future. So from from May of 2017 till uh, the beginning of 2019, we had 16 different engagements. 16. Now don't hold me to that number because I'm thinking off the top of my head, and these people will will take a quote like I just did and say, "Wait, no, no, there weren't 16." All right, there were mu- there were multiple. All right. There were multiple engagements on, on a text thread where I came to him. I said, Hey, what about this? And, and we talked about it and we worked things through, or I, I said something to him. I did. There's a whole debate about eschatology in there. There's a whole debate about Matthew and Daniel and everything. And, and we go back and forth and we disagree. And at no time since May, 2017 has, has Durbin said, Hey, I need to talk to your pastor. N- none of that has happened. Um, sometimes I'd bring something up and, and he'd explain it to me. I'm like, Hey, I really appreciate that. That's, that's great. So we've been talking back and forth about maybe once every three or four months. Right. So, and then, uh, this past, this past summer may, uh, of 2019, um, a few people sent me a uh, engagement that Durbin did on the tinfoil hat podcast, which is a podcast by secular people. Uh, and Durbin went on there with somebody else from apology church to be interviewed about their, um, their podcast called cultish. Right. Mm-hmm. So they go on this. Did you know about this? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't watch it myself, but I did. I definitely did hear about it.
0: So, so a couple people sent me, uh, the, the, uh, the podcast and said hey you need to listen to this you need to watch listen to this and you should do a review because it it's it's pretty notable that uh, Durbin didn't share the gospel in a one-hour podcast when the hosts were teeing it up I mean the hosts of the show were like hey man I'm not a Christian but I know I do bad things and uh, and I know there's judgment coming one day but man those people are pedophiles they're really bad and instead of um saying hey you know there is judgment coming you know there that you know you need to think about your own sin all Durbin did was um say to these secular podcast hosts you have no standard for truth how can you know truth at all how can you say the pedophile is any worse than you are so it was a good opportunity to critique uh, and to challenge my audience hey always be ready to preach the gospel so i did that um that show, July 21st, it was Bible Thumping Wingnut is an apologetic podcast. We critique apologetic methods. And Durbin says, I can critique him. So I critiqued his apologetic method. And it's interesting, he has not mentioned one iota, that my critique of him on this. Um, <laughs> but I would I would encourage people to go to watch that. It's on my YouTube channel. But that was July 21st. And I did three follow-ups to that, reading feedback, and my last one was August 13th. And August 13th, at the end of it, um, I praised Durbin, uh, Durbin for how well he preaches the gospel sometimes. I played clips of him. I clapped. I rejoiced. I was like, man, that's awesome. It's way better than I could ever do. That was August 13th, Jeff. August 13th. And I heard nothing from Durbin about those videos at all. Didn't expect to, and I didn't. That was August 13th. No text message, no no uh, private message at all. We have we like we have had since 2017. And then on November 11th, 90 plus days after that review, that four video review, Durbin posts my apology, my confession of sin on a anonymous YouTube account. Somebody, I, (laughs) and his explanation for that, like on your last podcast, you, you were speculating whether Durbin actually released it. Yeah, it was him. He admitted it. He admitted to privately, unbeknownst to me, recording a phone conversation Creating an anonymous YouTube account and posting my confession, which includes a third party, me talking about a third party that's not involved in the conversation and and talking about that third party's personal situation, that's up on YouTube today, thanks to Jeff Durbin of Apologia. So he explains that the reason why he posted that is because he had no choice he, he, he had, he was left with no choice. Tim's back to his slandering and Tim is, uh, Tim's a slanderer, false witness, all these things. Uh, and he never came to me about it. Never came to me about it. Never asked for he, he for when he did his, his, uh, I need to slow down so that we get this, we, we get the timeline, right? Yeah. Okay. And you can, if, if I'm not clear or anything, you can just interrupt me and say, wait a minute. For clarification, yeah, of right? course, of course. <clears throat> so, I find, I find the, I Google myself every now and then, right? Everybody does. Well, those of us, I'm Jeff. I'm sure there's times you, all right, you, you search see if anybody's responding to your content. So you'll ser- you search your name on YouTube, see what comes up. I don't know At what
1: you're, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I mean, nobody nobody <laughs> that I know ever does that.
0: Yeah. So I do. <laughs> I do that to, to see if I have any, any content that, you know, is feedback and maybe I could respond to. So I did that within a week of it being posted. And I saw like only 40 people have viewed it and uh, nobody's sharing it. Nobody's sharing it on Facebook. It seems like somebody just put it up there and it, it had a whole, dis- it has a whole description with it that talks about uh, how, how. It's just assertions, how I have uh, returned to my slanderous ways, right? Just assertions. But that four-video critique of him was was really different tone than than the way I treated Jeff in 2016. Way different. Way different. And um, so I saw the post, and then I contacted Jeff. After it'd been up for over a week, I said, "Jeff, why is my why is that phone call of my confession posted publicly?" <laughs> and his response was, "I need to talk to your pastor. You're a slanderer. You're 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 lying again. You're up to your old ways." And I said, uh, "Well, what have I done wrong? Can you please tell me what have I done that that I, I like I?" I, the way I have addressed you is way different than before. I mean, I was very gracious. No, I need to talk to your pastor. I said, hey, Matthew, if you want to do Matthew 18, come to me first. Come to me first. No, I need to talk to your pastor, and on and on and on. And uh, the next day, I'm on Facebook. I don't know if it was the next day. It was the same general general time period. I'm uh, I'm on Facebook, in a private message... With a friend who is just an acquaintance, right? I don't know this guy. He's my friend on Facebook, though. And I'm having a private conversation back and forth uh, addressing something that he said. And out of the blue, this guy sends me a message says, Oh, Dr. White wants me to let you know he has heard the phone call. Like, what? I said to the guy, well, I know what he's referring to, but I wanted to see if I can get some more back. So I said, What phone call? And then the guy's like, Well, he only told I, he's like, I don't know, he just told me to tell you that. What was that, Jeff?
1: So that, that's, what? Uh, that, that sounds I mean, obviously in different context, that sounds like a mafia movie. Like some guy walks by and so so and so said that he that he heard your phone call. Like that that seems like that would be like something you'd see in in like the Godfather, not in something that would be happening in the church.
0: Yeah, I, I took it as um No, I mean, Dr. White's come forward about this. He's like, "Oh, no, that that was just like a a Matthew 18 uh wake-up call. Like, "Hello, uh hey, uh, I I know I know that I don't even I can't even piece it together, but that that was his explanation. His explanation was it was kind of a wake-up call. Like like uh I I know what you said.
1: Yeah, you, you, know, you you know you know what, you know what that actually is. That's actually uh, them admitting of gossiping and and spreading information about you behind your back, and in that you know what I mean. Like that's basically that's basically what that is, because it's not like James White was involved with that conversation,
0: right? Right, and he wasn't even part of apology at church when it happened, right? So, so I had had it at that point. I'm like, you you are not going to hold this over me. So I made it public. I went on YouTube and thankfully over 10,000 people have watched it. I went on YouTube and recorded a podcast called a warning to the members of apologia. And at that time I didn't realize it. I didn't realize the full impact of this, but so I don't know how long it was, 45 minutes or an hour but but I just laid it out there. I laid out kind of what I've said to you thus far and, uh, and said, "You know what? If you're a member of Apology Church, you better be careful, because I I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff is recording you." And then uh, Durbin did a response a week later, which was three hours long, in which th- two I counted them all, two hundred and thirteen times. I I think I wrote it on. The, no, I didn't. It's over here. Here it is. 213 assertions. 68 times. 68 times he said I was a liar. Uh, 49 times guilty of sin. 31 times I'm an abuser. 24 times I've misrepresented him. 21 times I'm a slanderer. 13 times I'm a victimizer. 7 times I'm guilty of false witness. I'm sure I counted wrong. But that was my 213, if you just took the assertions, it would be over 15 minutes of just, just saying, Tim, you are, anyway, it was way over the top, it was way over the top, and I had no idea what was happening in the background, because, and, and I, this is true, I, I really think that this is true, um, and you've seen it, and the Survivor blog people have seen it. The Me Too human, uh, movement has seen it. All it takes is one person to stand up and say, "You ain't gonna do this to me anymore. I'm going public." And Jeff, <clears throat> at least two men um, have said to me, "When you when you did said what you did." It was an answer to prayer. These are former. One of them was never a member of Apology at church. Uh, one of them left in good standing. But they had similar, uh, similar experiences with Durbin. And uh, they're like, now, now I can tell my story. Now I, now I can let people know. And uh, they came to me. I did not go looking for anybody. All of a sudden, people's phone numbers are being sent to me, and they're like, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want to talk to you. And I've talked to many people for hours. I've sat across the table at uh, Chick-fil-A near Philadelphia with a man, broken, broken broken to the point of tears because of what has happened. And you know what? I'm not the person to, to compile these people's stories. I'm not the, I'm not a writer. And because of my history with Durbin, anything I do at this point is discredited. Oh, because, because you already admitted, you already admitted that you were guilty and that is a stinking theme with with the way the leadership of that church works. Once you say you're guilty, once you go to them and say, hey, I was wrong here. I have heard testimony after testimony. All of a sudden, you're on the phone and, and you start talking about you're guilty of something and you hear... You hear things being hooked up. You hear things being plugged in. Okay, what were you saying? You're being recorded is what's happening. And then these recordings are kept. And then when an issue, when, when, if you have any critique, any negative critique about anything, uh, well, you already confessed. You already confessed of having poor judgment. You already said you were guilty, and if these charges and these stories are true, there's no possible way, in any anyone's biblical thinking, that Durbin is uh, anything but disqualified as an elder. And these stories are serious, and they're not. They are not from. Uh, I can't. I don't. There, the people that I've talked to aren't people who were put under church discipline. There, uh, I can't. I can't. I can't say everything. But if these stories are true, it's 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 real serious. So why hasn't the information come out? Why am I being vague? Because Uh, the people writing the story are talking to everyone who wants to tell their story and then going back and double checking, making sure are are these people telling the truth or are they just people who, uh, you know, had a little bit of a, uh, a scuffle with, with the elders and, you know, had to leave or are, so that's where I'm at. That's where we're at.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like I think, you know, for, for me, and you know, not not going to get into that, but I've I've had, I've had similar experiences to you in the sense of you know I stand up and I say something, and then other people follow follow up and they send me messages and they're like, hey, this is happening to me, um, you know, kind of going going on down the list. Um, and it's it is crazy that like you were saying, one one person takes a stand, and so like you took a stand against apology and said, look, I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go silent just because uh, you try to intimidate me into silence. And then all that does is that gives somebody else confidence like, oh wow, he's t- he's willing to take them on. Maybe I maybe I can help. It's, it's just it's weird that it's just nobody really wants to be that first person. But once the first person goes, then a flood of people will, will come following. And I, And I think that that is important for all of us to remember as well is that if so, if something is happening, and you, and you believe that even though it's happening just to you, but there could be wider implications, like in this. Yeah, Tim, this is just happening to you, right? You're experiencing this, but they're also doing this to other people. So if you can tell your story, then it gives other people confidence that, wow, maybe I could tell my story because this shouldn't be happening to people. And the more that people are aware of this, the better, because then it, it slowly takes away their abusive power in it from my perspective, um, so yeah. So that that's just that's just kind of like my, my take on, on all of that kind of stuff as well. Uh, by the way, I just uh, I'm looking at comments over here on Facebook. Dustin Faulkner said this is why people don't go to church leadership anymore, just because they don't they don't trust them. Which I think, at, depending on the church leader, it can't that can be definitely be definitely be a concern. Now I wanted to ask you this question that Sam Jones just asked on Facebook as well. Do you think that this is just an issue with Jeff Durbin or do you think this is a symptom of a greater problem of the church at large?
0: Before I answer that, I want to say, like when people were listening to me and, and listening to Durbin and, and listening to my reply to Durbin, Durbin did a three hour plus slander fest of me. Right. And um, then I did a 22 minute response. Uh, that I would encourage folks to watch. But I demonstrated, he edited the clip to make me look guilty. And when people saw that, they're like, wait a minute. He he recorded me too, and when he made the recording public, he edit, edited that. He did the same thing. And I, I'm dumbfounded by it. Um, and then the whole, Tim, you already said you're guilty. You have already admitted it. There are quite a few people who are like, that's my exact experience as well so and and before i answer that question Mm -hmm. the problem is who's going to report this right is christianity today interested no i mean who who's jeff durbin right jeff durbin's interesting for the people who are in our reformed bubble of apologetics and he's big in that bubble but outside of that people aren't interested pulpit and pen is interested because that's what they do. They went after uh, Greg Locke, exposed Greg Locke. They went after uh, Clayton Jennings, exposed Clayton Jennings. And this is what they do, right? They they can talk to these people and expose it. But it's pulpit and pen. So some of the key figures that are telling their stories are <clears throat> like, Tim, I, I know you're right and everything, but I don't want my story told on pulpit and pen. I want it to come out. On something bigger I'll tell you my full story if you guarantee that pulpit and pen won't be the first ones to publish it like can can we go to Christianity today and say here it is here's the story print this story like that's I understand what they're saying and I know there's the the stigmatism stigmatism of pulpit and pen being uh, the narrative of it's a slander fest and all this And to that that's just an assertion. Bring some evidence of that. But in our little bubble of reformed theology, if you're in, if uh, Doctor White's ministry and Durbin's ministry is par- is a big part of your bubble, then no, you don't want pulpit and pen to be come out with your story because everyone will just discredit it because it's pulpit and pen. It's like it's like. Somebody who disagrees with you, Jeff, on on your critique of grace to you, like myself, like it would be like me to just discredit everything you say because I firmly disagree with you on that front, all right? And I I shouldn't do that because whatever – if you were to come out with something, I should weigh it on the evidence that you're bringing forth. Right. So let me take a breath and answer his question. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't think – that the practice of recording is a problem, a wide problem because I have yet, and JD Hall and others were challenging other pastors to come forward and say, I do that too. I record my members. And Durbin in his three hour thing, he said he doesn't record his members. He does, he does. We. I have talked to them, I have heard the, the sound clips that he sends to people and says, you already confessed to this. All right. He'll, he'll, anyway, I don't think that's a wide problem because every now and then somebody on Facebook is like, "I uh, I know this guy over here who's a pastor or an elder and he says, you can do it. I'm like, okay, introduce me to him. You're not a pastor. He wasn't a pastor. Uh, but I've yet to find one. So I don't think that is a broad problem, heavy shepherding, like, like not leading your flock, but, uh, more like abusing your flock. I can't tell you how prevalent it is. If you listen to Jeff, the GK, you think it's all the time. You think, you think it's really prevalent. I don't, I have not experienced it. And maybe there's people who I'm sure there are people who have experienced it. And and, over and over again, but it hasn't been my experience or the experience of most of the people that I know. Um, so, what do you think?
1: Um, I, I've, I've probably seen it more than you have, I'm guessing. Um, and, and, I, and, I th- and I think, and I think from my end too, kind of like what you were talking about with once you take a stand, people will reach out to you and tell you their stories. Um, that's kind of, that's what's happened to me and um, and so from that perspective then that becomes i have to, i have to take a look at from from my perspective of making sure that i'm not only relying on all the negative stories and saying that look all these pastors and every single pastor in the entire world is an abuser and whatever because that can be the narrative especially with a lot of like the survivor blogs and you know things like that so that that's something that i have i have to weigh and have to say okay is there is there valid uh, is there valid evidence for that just kind of like what you're doing with apologia and how people are coming forward to you so um, so yeah I mean that that's my take I, I think that it's more prevalent than I think you think but I think you and I run in in different circles and historically we have different people coming to us with with information I think so that's just my 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 two cents now 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 let me now let me, let me ask you this so let's 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 step past the the issue of the secretly recording, um, but do but do you think that that there is a wider issue with you know and, and I know you were kind of talking about like heavy shepherding and things like that, but do you think that there is a wider issue with maybe it's even within the mega churches as opposed to like the everyday churches of there being intimidation or trying to silence uh, all forms of criticism. As opposed to engaging in arguments, because that's what I'm seeing a, happening here with Apologia and Jeff Durbin, is instead of engaging with your arguments, they're just trying to silence you and discredit you. Now, do you f- you feel like that's something that can is possibly more prevalent in the wider church?
0: I I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I I have been I have gone to many many churches. I I used to be in a ministry where I met with scores of pastors every year. I worked with an appara-church organization where where I was working constantly with other churches throughout New England. So for 10 years, I was with Word of Life Bible Clubs, and uh, I was training leaders in churches on how to minister to children and teenagers. So I was meeting with these people on a monthly basis and running conferences where these leaders were coming and to be honest faithful shepherds doing the best they can admitting when they're wrong growing with their flocks leading their flocks loving loving their 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 people doing the best they can and uh it has not been my experience that like this type of um Insulating yourself to, to criticism like I I, I want to, in one way say, hey, I, I'm a member of a little church here and like these things don't happen. But it's been my experience in every church I've been in. So I'm blown away with this. Yeah. Like at first it was like, all right, Durbin's done me wrong. Uh, he did this and he's, he's not telling the truth. So I made my 22 minute video and you know, I'll, that should, that should stand on its own. Wait a minute. I didn't tell you this, Jeff. I don't block people, right? I don't block people. I don't ban people. Well, well, well,
1: let, let me, let, let me just say this. You, I did. You're, well, let, let me just say this. You are, you are the first person that I've ever had on my podcast that is currently blocking me as we're having the conversation. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there.
0: All right, that's, that's, <laughs> you're you're where do I have you blocked? On Twitter. Oh, okay. So okay, but I I did that because you blocked me, and then you were commenting on my stuff, like Rich Pierce is doing to me now. <laughs> like that is the most crazy thing on Twitter is, uh, y- like Jeff could decide to block Tim. So now I can't see your comments, but you're still looking at my content and commenting on it. And I can't see what, like that made no sense to me. So somebody's like, Hey, if you, if you don't want Jeff to, to, uh, comment on your stuff secretly, you have to block him. So that's why you were blocked, sir. (laughs) So, um, but you have unblocked me and I guess I have to unblock you. Um, so yeah, here. So the interesting thing is why are we working together on this? which was my question, why, why were you working with JD or why was JD working with you on the social justice thing? There's, there's times when we come together because there's something bigger than my disagreements with, with you. Right. And when judgment comes, uh, when persecution comes to us and we're starting to get our heads chopped off here in Christianity, I'm in that bunker with Brandon house and we're buddies. Okay. And, and with, and with Durbin, you know, when persecution at that point comes, you know, we're, we're all true Christians are going to be like, we're bonding together. So sometimes we come together, like on social justice or when, when, when someone in Durbin's situation should be called out for what he's doing. Well,
1: well and, 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 <laughs> let, and let, and let so me, let like, me, oh, let me, oh. let me, let me throw this in there too, is, is I oh. think, I think that, I think that part of this too, is that um, I think when we get into these kind of like apologetic debates or debates over issues with within this whole discernment world, if we want to call it that right, I think that it 's really easy when you 're in when you 're engaging in these Twitter fights or podcasts going back and forth to have things blown up and blown up out of proportion right and then it becomes that person is all bad because we disagree on this one issue right? Whereas I think that like with you and I, I think we, we, you and I right now, we could say like, we disagree on my critique of John MacArthur and grace to you, right? That, that's a fair, that's a fair thing, right? And I, and I think that you would strongly disagree with me and you would, you would say that I'm totally wrong and I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing and you know, and that sort of thing, right? But I think that what, what we need to do is we need to take a step back and realize you and I can disagree on that one issue without completely discrediting each other overall, and then I think that we can then come back and say, look, we disagree on this MacArthur grace to you thing, but over here on this Apologia Jeff Durbin thing, we're in agreement. So instead of totally discrediting each other 100%, it's like, let's pick and choose. Here's the disagreement. Here's the agreement. We unify around the agreement. We, we separate over the over the disagreement. And I think that that's the principle I think that both you and I are looking at here. That's what I was looking at when I was deciding whether I want to go to the Stand Against Marxism conference with J.D. Hall. Because J.D. and I have had our is, our issues and our, our feuds back and forth and that sort of thing. We disagree on some of those things, but we agree on the, the, the unification principle of, of the partnership. And I think that that's where you and I are here when it comes to this whole Jeff Durbin thing.
0: Yeah, you're correct. We agree on that. Um, What I was saying about blocking people, um, it's been my practice for a long time. Bible Thumping Nut Facebook group is just like the Wild West. We've got all kinds of crazy people in there who disagree, and they're going to disagree no matter what we say, but we've always engaged with them. And um, when... When Durbin did his three-hour rant about me, and then I took about 25 hours to, to make my produced 22-minute response. Mm-hmm. My, my response to Durbin had to be produced so I didn't get sidetracked, so I didn't go on a rant. Just the facts. Just the facts. All right, 22 minutes. And it, it literally, for me to produce a video, a one-minute video, it takes me at least an hour. So every minute takes an hour. So I, I I literally took 20 plus hours making that video, and in it, I mean, if if you if you cannot see that Durbin was actually lying and slandering me when he looked at the camera and said, "Tim, you know it, you know you're lying. He's actually lying. He he actually took, and I demonstrated how he." Um, dishonestly edited a clip of me to make me say something I didn't say. And then uh, I, I addressed the five points that I thought main points that he had and uh, just proved him wrong on his other major charge against me. I mean, there's no way you can watch that clip and still think Durbin was honest. So when somebody gets on YouTube... Or Twitter or Facebook and responds to that 22-minute clip and says why are you going after Durbin you just don't like Durbin guess what I now block people I now ban people because there's no help for people like that if you're a fanboy to that extent I'm sorry I have no time for you I do not I'm done Jeff I'm done Atheists have have done crap t- like this to me uh, people in in your camp have disagreed with me at, even when I, I thought it was very clear that I made an excellent point um, uh, different camps uh, but this is it this is if if you're a Durbanite to the point where you can watch that 22 minute clip and say Tim, you 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 said that Jeff doesn't preach the gospel or or uh you said Jeff didn't come to you like i can't help him so that's that's the point of frustration that i have yeah if you're going to do if that, so yeah so yeah now i block people
1: what well, what well, welcome well, welcome to the club tim <laughs> but so So what, what, I, what I the point that I wanted to bring up, though about a lot of this as well is dealing with this this strategy that they're trying to employ to come back at you for your criticism of them, right? And you know and I, I wrote an article about this, and I basically compared what they're doing uh, to Scientology and how Scientology treats critics of them. And you know that goes that that goes even even the parallel with your confession to Jeff Durbin and then them secretly recording it and the releasing it is virtually identical to the how Scientology does auditing. They take down your confessions and all and you admitting all of your weaknesses. They take intense notes and then they they file them and then if you ever criticize them, then they'll come out with websites, fake YouTube accounts, fake fake Twitter accounts, videos, everything taking little snippets out of context in order to make you look bad, to discredit you to the public. We saw them do that with like Leah Remini, Mike Rinder, any former Scientologist that comes out. And then they'd use this exact same strategy that Jeff Durbin is using against you. And it's it's crazy to me that somebody within Christianity is essentially using the exact same tactic that a cult is using. That's nuts to me.
0: And a lot of people really appreciated you pointing that out because putting those two together is important even right now Jeff even right now Twitter knows not Twitter Skype Skype knows right now that it's important for me to have it a little alert right now above your head on my screen it says Jeff is using a device that could record or broadcast this call privacy is important right if we're being recorded we should know about it, and there is no reason at all why anybody would have to record step number one. All right, Matthew eighteen, the first step. If you got a problem with somebody, or you notice somebody's in sin, you go to them. Right? Why do you go to them? Why? Why don't you just broadcast, blow them up on YouTube? Because you want to win them. You want. Uh, them to repent you want them to uh, realize their sin and you want to renew them you want you want Christ's blood to cover that sin and when that hap- when when you go to your brother in private hey you have this sin you need to deal with it so he repents that's it's it's done right it's done and to record something like that is is wrong. It's sin. It, and if the reports are are true, um, if the reports are true, Durbin does it all the time. If what they're saying is true, which I believe it is, I want to talk to you about Matthew eighteen.
1: Yeah, because I, I think I think that, that I you, think that did, that's an important thing that I think you, we need to you find. Hit
0: uh, because one of one of Durbin's uh, major points was that we tried to reach Tim. We tried to talk. We we Tim said uh, J.D. Hall is uh, Bible thumping wingnut. One of uh, one of the uh, board members and the point man for this type of a discussion, right? So J.D. takes it very seriously. Um because he didn't take it seriously once and his church called him out on it and he repented. He had to admit that he entertained gossip wrongly and uh, he was confronted and he repented and he's very concerned. He is very concerned about Matthew 18. So if Durbin was to come to him and say, hey, let's talk about Tim and his four video review from this summer, how do you think, Jeff, how do you think he would respond? Because you had a similar similar situation, did you not?
1: That I that I did and that 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 involved uh that that did that involved you and uh, and I and I and I went directly to J and I went to JD after you and I had been going back and forth and and I wrote about this in my article too and uh, and J, JD had said you can share this and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm not just dumping this on you. Um but I I went to JD and I said, "Hey, look, there's this issue. Um, you know, we need to deal with this." And he t- he took it very seriously, and he he made sure that we talked through things. He made sure that we did things in the right biblical manner. That uh, that the issues were dealt with you first, and then and then we're trying to deal with things, you know, as a group. Um, he he did a very good job of trying to handle Matthew 18 in the best biblical possible way, and and I think that when there's when there's the critique that. Oh, he's not just he's not going to listen to any criticism of Tim Hurd or, you know, he you know because they're friends or whatever it is. It's like, well, I know firsthand that he that he was willing to take it on and do it and do it the right way. And so that's something I totally commend him for doing.
0: So, on my end, all right. JD Hall comes to me and says, "Hey, Jeff Jeff Dornick has an issue with you." JD and I are are friends, right? We're not, we're not only ministered together, but we're buddies right mm-hmm. I'm like JD no. I'm not talking to Jeff Dornick. I'm not talking to him. I tried to discredit you and I said he's gonna waste our time. He said no no Tim you this is when the call's happening. you will be on this call. No, I'm not. I am not talking to him and i and even an hour before i'm like jd really seriously this is jeff come on i'm not going to be there he's like yeah you are <laughs> i came kicking and screaming the whole time i i i did the buddy thing hey come on we're just are you serious but but he did take it seriously so that whole narrative that oh i you know j d ignored Jeff's concerns about me is false oh yeah
1: well, well, I mean 100 percent not you know and and, uh, and jD and I have talked about even just about this issue just with this whole thing with apology as well and like the thing the thing is is that it's like it's I, I don't I, you know the way, the way that it was done with him it was not the same way that how I approached him. The way it was done with J.D. was essentially gossip and just like, hey, check check this out. Kind of almost it reminiscent of how James White talked through a third party to get to you. Hey, I, I listened to this phone call. That's not how you do Matthew 18. You know what I mean? Like, that, like there, There's a difference. You go directly to them and you, you deal with this the right way. And so if, if anybody failed in that aspect, it's, it's Durbin and Apologia, in my opinion.
0: We could we could debate whether Matthew eighteen applies, you know, over the internet. We can mm-hmm. debate that, but why not apply it, right?
1: Well, I mean, it, if, it's, if it's a general con- principle. If, if, yeah.
0: If, if, if I have access to to you, why why not, right? Yeah. But like, like if I if I think that um, Joel Olstein's in sin, I mean, I don't I can't go to him. Like, even if I knew something personal, like somebody contacted me. I would I wouldn't be able to contact him, um, but yeah we we want to expose blatant, unrepentant sin, but we also want like to win. We want people to grow in 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 their uh, in their faith and in their sanctification. So that's why we would go to them if we knew they were in sin.
1: Yeah, well you know I th- I think that leads into in into this idea of when does Matthew eighteen apply and when does it not, especially because we're, when we're dealing with pastors, and we also have to remember too is that we're so interconnected now with social media and the internet and and all of that to where people are pretty much uh, sinning against each other all around the nation on a daily basis on Twitter. You know what I mean? So so then it then it becomes okay. So how do we how do we how do we deal with this? Right. So if we're dealing with something. Where like a prominent pastor, let's say, says something wrong from the pulpit. Obviously, you're not you, you're not as an apologist or whatever it is, or a discernment guy, going to go and talk to that pastor privately before you write publicly, uh, you know, clarifying your position on that and that issue. And that's primarily because you want to protect the church from that false teaching, right? But if there's a personal sin issue where they're personally, let's say, let's say, slandering you or lying or whatever it is. That should be dealt privately first, unless they're unless they're going and blasting it for for all to hear, and it's like that's a public sin that needs to be dealt with publicly from my perspective because it's like if you just if you spend all this time trying to go to them privately for however long that's going to take, I mean by then the damage is done. There's not there's nothing more that can be done in order to rectify that situation in my opinion, and so that that's where it kind of comes into this. We have to kind of define as the church. When does Matthew 18 apply? When does it not? And kind of be able to figure out how all this works because I feel like it's almost like a case-by-case basis to a certain degree.
0: I think another another thing that should be talked about really is where's the balance between this is an awesome ministry and, all right, this particular sin that ministry, that person should not be a part of it or that ministry needs to cease. I think back to Charles Stanley, Charles Stanley, when his wife divorced him, I understand that's what the way it happened. When his wife, wife divorced him, he stayed in ministry. Should it, should he have stayed in ministry? A lot of people made biblical arguments that he should not but what came out from the leadership of the church of which i i knew one of them personally the the response was because of the vastness of the ministry he stayed in position because of the vastness of ministry i think the, there's a conversation or, or we need to really think about it like if somebody is saving If somebody is, if, if an elder is uh, abusing his flock and it can be proven, um, I don't believe we can say they have a great ministry anymore, even if hundreds of babies are being saved from death, even if you have a great apologetic against Mormonism, Right. Because that is the response that that is the response of many. Yeah, I see what he's doing, but yeah he's he's got a great ministry. He's got a great ministry. I don't think that can be said.
1: Yeah well, you know I think I think uh, going through this experience which is, which is fascinating to me, is I think I think a lot of these arguments that you're making, are things that I've been saying for the last couple of years.
0: I know. I see. I see that little smirk on your face right there. Yeah. Hey. I... <laughs> it, it's 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 I, it's I literally you like
1: you're di- it's literally like you're directly quoting me from from the last couple of years. Uh,
0: yeah. I I secretly listen to everything you say. I I, fi- I figured and take notes.
1: Yeah. No. But 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 I but I think but I think it's important. It's an important thing that I think we need to understand. I think this kind of goes back to how you were talking about like the Durbanites and the celebrity mindset is that people, I think, are so invested in their favorite celebrity pastor. And so like in this instance, it's dealing with Jeff Durbin, right? They're so invested in him and that he's done so many amazing things and he's been faithful for so long. And then all of a sudden, that overshadows any moral failures that might come along. You know, it's the, it's this argument, well, they've been faithful for the last however many decades, or they've been faithful and they've saved so many babies, or, they, or he's preached expositionally for so long, he's such a great pastor, whatever the argument is. We have to remember that past faithfulness does not override current unfaithfulness. Like, there's certain—yeah, there, go ahead.
0: We can apply the same thing to—all uh, right. So if the charges are true about Durbin, everything we're saying is— applies right yep um but think of the clayton jennings issue all right clayton jennings having premarital sex having doing doing all kinds of uh sinful actions behind the scenes but every night he's standing in front of hundreds of people preaching the gospel uh i'll be a synergistic gospel with a sinner's prayer and hundreds of people are being saved or he's putting it out there that People shouldn't be considering suicide and people shouldn't be down on themselves. So a lot of people are choosing not to commit suicide and giving their testimonies of, you saved my life. You saved my life. And then Pulpit and Pen exposes these um, sinful sexual activities of Clayton Jennings. And thousands of people are like, he saved my life. He preaches the gospel. How would those people ever be saved if it wasn't for, you know, they're not... They're not Calvinists, they don't they don't understand the way God works. But you know, I wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for Clayton Jennings. You know, so so where is like where there there's a line there somewhere. Like, regardless of how it appears that God's using you, that there are some disqualifying things that even 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 though that's taking place. You've disqualified yourself, and that was my case. That was my case. How many years ago now? It's been eighteen years since I was a pastor, and I disqualified myself. But I was such a great speaker. But but you really ministered to my teenager, or you did this, that, or the other thing, or you're really good at organizing this event or whatever. All that doesn't matter anymore. Like you, you're disqualified. So yeah. Mhm. Where is that line?
1: Like, well, well, the thing is, is that you when we look at scripture, we look at the qualification well, the qualifications of a pastor and elder, right? They're very clear cut. It it doesn't it doesn't involve whether you're an entertaining speaker or how many years you've been in ministry or anything along those lines. There is very specific qualifications that are listed and if you break those qual if you are break those qualifications, you're no longer qualified. From ministry, then the argument the argument could be made and is made by many that you know for some people they'll say if you, if you become disqualified you're permanently disqualified. Other people will say you could be restored you know through biblical repentance and that sort of thing, and that's a whole different conversation. But right now in in this in this specific issue with Durbin and James White and Apologia, they've broken some of those uh, qualifications of an elder. So then it becomes. Why does all of a sudden now past faithfulness override the fact that they've disqualified themselves from ministry because they're unrepentant for those specific things that are listed as qualifications? I think you know, you know, there's like arrogance and being quarrelsome, and I mean, clearly they're being quarrelsome in what in what they're doing to you because all they're trying to do is stir up drama, right? And then they're unrepentant about it and digging their heels in about it, like that's well, that's crazy. I think we,
0: yeah, and we need to make sure that if or if we're saying somebody's disqualified, we need to make sure it's not subjective. It's not just an opinion. It needs to be very clear, very obvious. The evidence needs to be very strong, you know? Yeah. Not speculation. So, it's a serious, you know, it used to, it, the, this whole thing after talking to all these people and still communicating with them, um, it's it's really not about me at all. I mean, I'm kind of ticked off. I'm not happy the, that um, recording is still up. You go to YouTube and search Tim Hurt, it comes up. It's one of the first things that comes up. Um, it's private stuff and it's, it's personal stuff. Um, it's stuff I talked about on my podcast. Like I I could say more, but, um, it's, it's more about the members of Apologia now. And, uh, I think I referenced it before a a couple left the church and, uh, their friends called them up and said, "How, how did you leave? How, how did you leave? Because you, it's not easy to leave. And some people would say that that's that's good pastoring. There, there, there are people who say, you know, you, you're overseeing that person's soul. So if they're going to leave, you need to know why and it needs to be a valid reason. There, there's an argument for that. But I know for a fact right now that there are people... In important positions that want to leave, but it's it's just going to be difficult to leave.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and again, to bring it back to the you know rela- relation to Scientology and, and it being a cult. I mean, when you're in Scientology, you sign what like I think like a million year contract. So even even in all of your uh, re- future reincarnations, you're still. A member of the Church of Scientology, it's virtually impossible to get away. In their in their mind, it's it's there, there's a lot of parallels going on there. Uh, one of the, one I wanted to ask another question off of the Facebook comments. Uh, Dustin Faulkner asked, "Do you think that the understanding of eldership has been misused?" I don't.
0: I don't understand the question, by who, by,
1: by, the. well, well, well I would say, I would say by, by oh. them in this, in the sense of, and I think that this is a, a, maybe a broader question of dealing with kind of the church in, in America today is I think most churches aren't necessarily looking at the biblical qualifications for being an elder. They're looking at, is he an entertaining speaker? Does he, does he fill this specific role of being able to let's, let's say expositionally preach or does he, is he able to write books? Is he able to organize events? You know, things like that. And I feel like, to a certain degree here, we're looking at, you've got Jeff Durbin, who's a charismatic speaker. He's got a following, but that's not a qualification. And so so I think that that's, that's probably what what Dustin's asking there.
0: I'm not a Presbyterian. Um, but the denomination I'm in, I think our, I, we have... We're my church is actually like a Presbyterian church. We have a, a higher council. We have a superintendent of our area who oversees um, all the churches in the area and works with the churches. Like should we have a should we have a problem with our pastor, we can go to them. Right. So that's a benefit. These types of abuses are guarded against in my denomination. And in the Presbyterian denomination, uh, but in a independent Reformed Baptist church with no, no governing body over the churches. a somebody, a pastor like Jeff Durbin can insulate themselves with people who uh, will agree to him with him or um, give in to whatever, whatever he, he wants to whatever direction he wants to take they'll say they're accountable but Jeff's Jeff's you that that's that's an opportunity um, that's a problem waiting to happen really Wouldn't you say with an in independent church like that
1: yeah well you know there there's if if the leadership becomes corrupt or prideful or arrogant or you know sinful disqualified, there's, there's no way to biblically deal with it if it's the leadership that's failing. Because Matthew 18, you're supposed to be going to the leadership of your church as like the final steps. Well, what happens if the leadership's unqualified and your issue is with them? And that that's part of the problem. I, I get to a certain degree why churches want to be independent of, let's say, a denomination. Because there can be at times where the denomination is overbearing and they're corrupt and they're being sinful. And then you're like, okay, now really what do we do? But in principle, it, it I think it's you know you look you look at Acts and you had the you had the the apostles in Jerusalem, they were that kind of overarching like final final uh you know group of people you'd go to if you if you had an issue within your church you couldn't you couldn't deal with it with your pastor biblically, you would go to the apostles and we and we saw that exemplified and then they would try to figure out okay what's the biblical way of of handling this, and so I think that that's where maybe apologia is failing as. Is, they're not actually accountable to anybody.
0: I like how Dustin put it on Facebook. He's it's like, it's a posse, not an eldership. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, we it's, all it's, rolled it, together. It's, it's a good, it's a good way to put it. I, I think about like James White. I'm, I'm not, I'm talking off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. uh, so, in my best recollection, James White put up a post on Facebook the other day, uh, or maybe it was Twitter. He's like, uh, this this is imagine my day. This is this is what my day's is like. Uh, I, I call um, another elder, Zach. I call Zach and, and uh, we're talking on the phone about uh, all the slander that's going on and how to deal with the slander that's going on. And then I hear in the background, she changed her mind. She changed her mind. And Zach's at an abortion clinic. And while they're talking about the slander going on, uh, a baby's being saved. So, unfortunately for the elders at Apologia, they have to deal with all this slander while they're saving babies. That's the narrative. Um, all the while, all the while, what's actually going on behind the scenes is it, Jordan referenced it to a Mexican standoff. <laughs> like, you're not going to make that public, are you? You can't make that public. Oh, Yeah what do you mean we can't make that public? well because of the people who are involved you can't make that public just wait we might not make it public but somebody else might make it public like there are some serious issues going on and they're very damning and uh it's all posturing right now yeah and i just, that that's why on Twitter. And I knew Durbin's wife was reading my tweets. That I pleaded with her. I'm like, please, like, repent. You know, like, you know the evidence. You know what's what's out there. And I'm not shooting blanks here. Like, they know. Here I am sounding like uh, Jeff Durbin. You know you're lying. But... (laughs) like like I, I, I wish I could say more and a lot of people will watch this and say Tim you said too much already but you don't you don't know what I know like it's yeah. bad
1: T- Tim you I, trust me I I understand the feeling because I'm'm I'm, I'm in this exact same boat in in different areas but I, I will say this I think I think that I think that one of the things that we need to remember is like when when they're claiming, oh, Tim is slandering. That's that's a way for them to discredit your message without have actually having to engage in the argument, right? And so I think that one one thing that I think that we could do here as well is we need to define what is slander and what is not slander because that term is thrown around a lot in this whole polemics um, discernment world of oh, you criticize me now you're slandering me, right? Here's.
0: Here's what I want. And here I have repeated it on the on this interview and I've repeated it every day. That's an assertion. Saying somebody slandered you is to say that they're lying about you. That that's what it is. You you're slandering me. You're saying something that is untrue. Okay, so that's a fine assertion. And you can assert that all day long. But show me the evidence. Show me. Don't just say you're slandering. You're a. Or you're a liar, you're a false witness, you're a victimizer. Don't say that. Give me the evidence. Stop throwing out, you're slandering me. <laughs> you're slandering me is not a uh, response to what I've presented or what's being presented. It's just it's just an assertion.
1: And disagreeing with somebody is not slandering. And I think that, that that's something that I think we can, we need to remember is – if you disagree with somebody and let's say what they're teaching, right? If if a pastor's preaching and you disagree with what they're saying and you articulate your argument that's that's a counter argument to what they're saying, that's not slander. That's you disagreeing and having a different perspective on what God's word says. And I think it's really easy to say, oh well you're you're saying that I'm wrong. That that means that you're slandering me. It's it's a way, it's a cop out. It's a way to get around having to actually defend your position and then just putting it back onto you to discredit you so that way they don't have to deal with you. And that's I, – I see it all too much happening in the church.
0: And opinions aren't slandering either. Yeah. Like, hey, Tim, you look stupid in a in a hoodie right now. Like, that's not slander. It, that's it, that, your that opinion. That, that,
1: that's objective.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm kidding. Yeah. Like opinion, like Jordan Jordan puts out his opinion all the time, and it, it's it's quite entertaining, but it's just his opinion, right? When he, <laughs> I get a kick out of it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh.
1: yeah. Well, you know, I just I just think, from my perspective in dealing with this and kind of why I wanted to engage in this whole. In this whole thing is just because I think what, what we're seeing is we're seeing this elitist mentality that that like guys like Durbin feel like they're above the rest of everybody, and if as long as they can hold onto their power, pa- and again this is just this is my opinion, <laughs> so as long as they can hold onto their power and they keep any criticism down, they silence opposition, they continue to hold onto their power. Jeff Durbin is not above God's Word. Jeff Durbin, or any pastor, is not above God's Word. God's Word is just that. It's the Word of God. So that's God's standard, and that's what we all have to hold to. And so just because you're a famous pastor, just because you've been doing something for X number of years, does not all of a sudden mean that that then discredits what God's Word says about the qualifications of a pastor or qualifications of an elder. And the fact that they're continuing and digging their heels in and being unrepentant, all while defending their abusive tactics in order to try to silence and um, and discredit you, that's kind of why I wanted to you know touch on this because I think that this is a, in my opinion, a wider, broader principle that I think that pastors and churches and even congregations need to remember that just because your pastor's famous or just because you enjoy your pastor's preaching does not invalidate God's word on the qualifications of a pastor and elder. Like they still need to hold themselves to the same standards that they expect you to be held to as well. And I think that that, that's an important principle for us all to remember.
0: Even a higher standard, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and then let's see. I'm just I'm just looking to see if there was any other questions coming up coming up on Facebook. We've got a bunch of comments, but not as many uh, questions. Besides, uh, Dustin Faulkner saying, "LOL, Tim is bald." <laughs> so, um, but I think I think that if we can, um, I don't know. I, I it's interesting to me. With with you with you and I, just how with with this issue we're taught, we're we're talking the same language. I, I I know, I know we disagree on other issues, but I think we both see the principle just uh, of, of some of these tactics being used just, just in different arenas. And I think that we, you know, we both agree on this whole thing with Durbin and Apologia and James White. And there's, there's just this level of, of pride and arrogance and, uh, and, it's, and I again, this is just my perspective, but it just seems like it's so that way they can hold on to power and not have to be criticized. And I just, it, like watching that video of Jeff Durbin continually repeat himself over and over and over for like two hours, like claiming that you're lying without actually explaining how, like making all these assertions, making all these claims and just repeating himself over and over and over again it was almost like it was like brainwashing it was almost like as long as I, if i if i can get that number up to over 200 people will believe me you it, know what i mean like that that would it, it was it's nuts it,
0: it was really weird it was like it was like he has these talking points i am going to say tim is a, a slanderer admittedly so admittedly so a slanderer he's lied he's admitted he's lying. He's, he's, uh, misrepresented us. Like you're, it was really weird to watch. And some people at apologia and people who have left apologia are like, w- we recognize the the way he's talking, the voice inflection, the way he presents his stuff. We recognize that because that's, that's what's happened to us. um, I could, I could, I could go on, but yeah, there are things, uh, your treatment of, of, of one person, uh, one ministry, we disagree strongly. And then there's things like with your engagement on, um, interfaith dialogue. I agree with all your conclusions, but I don't, I don't agree with your methodology of going after it for so many years. (laughs) (laughs) So, So sometimes I, I strongly disagree. Other times, I just like, I don't, I don't think you're going about it the right way. But
1: yeah, well, I think, th- I think, that, I think that we can also remember too is like we, we all have different reasonings and motivations and and uh, you know reasons for why we do what we do. And I think and I think that to a certain degree, I think I think that we need to, need to be showing you know grace to each other and understand that like, there's different contexts for different people in different situations. So there, there, may be different different reasons why they're going about things in a different way um, than maybe I would do, and so that's where I think that we have to bring it back to what what's what's the biblical principle here? Because I mean, you know, I mean, you you, you and I, you and I both know that there, there's there's particular issues that um, that you know, let's say J D. Hall will go after somebody for for years over, right? There's there's things that John MacArthur would go after people for years, decades over i the, the length of time to me isn't as much of an issue as what what's right or wrong and is it something that needs to be you know clarified for for the church so that's just that's my that's my two cents on that
0: i I hope your audio is good my i my hearing is my headset's messed up now, oh, yeah. but um yeah it's, uh,
1: it's come it's coming through okay over here' so, that's good yeah
0: I think like if it wasn't for my board, and certain members of my board, I would be making multiple videos, a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the reasons why I'm here is because I I don't want to put it, I don't want to put everything that's been out be about Durban. And one of my board members is like, be like John MacArthur. Like with with uh, some of these issues recently, he will um, address it like he did. And I know you have a problem with the way he did it. But so I'll, I'll talk very vaguely okay. as ministers with platforms. There is um, something to be said about, OK, here's the conflict and here's my response to it and let that stand for itself. That's what I want to do. Like Durbin did his three hour rant. I made a 22 minute response. I want that to stand. If anybody ever comes to me again and says, hey, I watched this video where Durbin says you're a slanderer or an abuser and he's a victim and all this other stuff. Hey, here's this 22 minute video. That's my response. And if uh, you're not rational about that, I've got nothing else to say to you. Yeah, Like well- there, there is something to be said let's just go on the record. This is, this is my point, but, uh, um, and then there's something to be said for, for doing it another way, which is the way that you, you handle some of your situations where you believe somebody's wrong and you're going to, you <laughs> present it at every angle that possible in an attempt to convince as many people as possible. And, and I'm sure that that there are some situations where I would apply that method as well. Now, but,
1: now right? But, yeah.
0: but like, what? What do I want to be? Right? Like, what do I? I? What's my purpose for Bible thumping wingnut? It's to. It's actually not to tear people down. It's actually to to encourage people in their faith, um, to to teach biblical principles and to, to share with, how to have a biblical apologetic, how to witness to people, and um, moving the focal point, really, I'm trying to get back to what I wanted to do seven years ago when I started, and that is encourage men to act like godly men, which is really weird because... The Builder Summit, the event that I did, the Builder Summit, it's going to be a yearly thing. When I, three months before the Builder Summit, all I did was Builder Summit. I didn't do anything else. I was so stressed and so focused. That's all I talked about for three months. Builders Summit is over. The day after the Builder Summit, my apology was posted on an anonymous account. I hadn't mentioned Jeff Durbin's name. Now, maybe somebody could dig up somewhere where I did, and I'm not, I'm not actually lying, I'm just saying from the top of my head, I have no recollection of mentioning Durbin for three months. And that, that really took me back. But we need to wrap up. Sam yeah. wants to know what is the takeaway for all this? For me, the takeaway is, I've noticed, <laughs> and other people are noticing, um, Jeff Durbin and his, his um uh, the way he chooses to lead, and control people who disagree with him. I th- my takeaway is that this is this is a big problem, and um, I want to bring it to light. I don't personally know people in my local area or in my circles of, of ministry where in local churches that that is a prevalent thing, but it's a huge concern for people who are experiencing it right now at Apology at church. You want to take it broader context and say it's prevalent in, in celebrity pastors. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it is more prevalent in celebrity pastors. I just am not under the leadership of any celebrity pastors, so I don't notice it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, but, I, but I think it, it, this ultimately comes down to what Durbin's doing is unbiblical. If he did it in a different state, from what I understand about the different laws in different states, it would actually be a felony. Depending on what state he's in. From what I understand, the state that he's in, it's not. But if he was in, let's say, California, it would be a pretty serious
0: crime. Um, most denominations, most churches, if your pastor records members and then weaponizes it, you do not have a job. Yeah. Almost and i have i know of no pastor outside of apologia that says yes i record confessions from members he recorded me that's one thing that's unethical and sharing it was unethical but he records members it's crazy it's crazy and he, and the durbanites are like Oh well, he does it for accountability. Are you kidding me? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, clear, clearly, I it's, clearly, clearly, it's not for my, accountability.
0: I <laughs> pulled all my hair out over this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, well, I, th- I think, I think that for me, the, the take home principle in all of this is to remember that ultimately we are responsible to God, and that even if a pastor fails us, like if you're in an apologia and Jeff Durbin is failing you, that's not God failing you. That's your pastor failing you. We, we can still rest and we can still trust that God is still in control. And turn your back on that abusive pastor. Don't turn your back on God because God loves you. God wants what's best for you. God saved you and i think to me that's the take home principle in this as well is don't don't forget your faith is with god your faith is not with your pastor so don't turn your back on your faith because your pastor fails you turn go turn to god not away from god i think that, i think that that's an important thing cuz a lot of people if their pastor abuses them or fails them or whatever it is they turn their back they leave the church and they're like see christianity christianity doesn't work christianity works that pastor didn't that's, that's the difference.
0: Uh, and that's a that's an excellent point. I met with a, a man who used to teach at Apology at church. He was highly respected by Durbin. He wasn't an elder, but he taught midweek. I met with him and he told me his story. And I was like, his story is such that everybody else would have just like left Christianity completely. And I just, I just, I just, Kurt is the a guy. I'm like, all that happened and you did not walk away. You did not. So of course, that's what we, we would, re, uh, that's what we would expect from mature Christians. We, we would expect mature Christians to understand that um, pastors are, are faulty as well. And sin and uh, need to be called to repentance, and you could have a whole church full of bad elders. And uh, a mature Christian will move on and find another good church. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, for sure. So and now, as as we're kind of wrapping up as well, if if, uh, if you know people want to be fo- following you fo- or following your website, uh, you know your podcast network, all that kind of stuff. Just share, share, share the socials, share your website, all that kind of stuff in order for people to be able to kind of keep up on what's going on
0: and all that. There's only one Bible thumping wingnut. <laughs> it's like you you're, the, be...
1: you're, you're the one.
0: <laughs> if, you, if you Google Bible thumping wingnut, you can find our website, uh, Twitter, everything. Instagram. My Instagram's actually fun. If you want to, if you don't want the drama, you want to know like what's behind the actual Bible thumping wingnut guy. Instagram's a nice friendly place. We don't do drama on Instagram.
1: okay there you go.
0: <laughs> so we, we yeah but yeah you can you can check we got a lot you know we got some God has surrounded me with some really great guys uh, Michael Coglin just started podcasting these are these are just regular guys who love the Lord real smart. Real, real biblically sound, and great communicators. Michael Coglin's started his podcast on the network. Dustin Seegers is on the network. Adam Staub is on the network. Um, Austin Hessler, a lot of, lot of great, great guys, um, and it's it's wonderful to have them as, as part of as, as well as. Seth Dunn has a great podcast too. He's he's actually really really entertaining. Anyway, I don't want to take time to to promote everybody knows how to find it. And, uh, I just, I do appreciate you in this, in this situation. And, uh, you, you responded the way I I thought you would. And, um, I, I, appreciate you, um, letting me tell the story to, to, uh, to your audience.
1: Yeah. Well, well, and again, you and you and I have had issues in the past. We go back and forth, you know we uh you know I feel like we we have we have our ups and downs and all that kind of stuff but still when it comes back to it right is right and wrong is wrong and th- and this is definitely one of those issues you know and so that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take this on and have you and you know when when you reached out to me to you know come on I was like yeah cuz i mean you know like th- again this this is one of those to me black and white issues that needs to be dealt
0: with and if we're done here i'm going to go block you everywhere again
1: I, I, I figured it, it, it only it only <laughs> lasted the length of the podcast
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm just kidding so I'm, uh, yeah well
1: yeah, yeah. well th- thanks for coming on Tim and, and Sharon and uh we'll, we'll we'll be following and if if there's something else that comes up I'm sure I'm sure we'll be talking so all
0: right thanks for having me on Tim
1: of course thanks much.